Um, fam, before we get to the show, our attorney has asked us to make the point that we are not in any way affiliated with what's the production company, girl? It's Cosgrove Muir Productions. And you guys, go watch the episodes. I know I don't have to tell you this. If we just sat here for an hour and said, go watch the episodes, I'd be happy with that. That's basically what we're doing, essentially, right? (laughs) We're just using different words, but that's the vibe. (laughs) Anyway, now to the show. Girl, I wonder if Porter Stansberry is like still listening. Like he, like he came on to hate listen to episode one, but then became a fan, and now he's just. <laughs> you, so what you're trying to say is Porter Stansberry's Lady Paid at the Five? <laughs> it's like Porter Stansberry, Natalie Maines, Chrissy Teigen, uh, Nancy Miller. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You're you're a great company, Porter girl. Welcome to the party. <laughs> I know. You're, I'm sorry. You're really bringing down that crew. I have to say, it's totally. the only thing that you and Natalie Maines have in common. <laughs> Patrick Hines. I'm so sorry. I had a weird cough today. Okay. <laughs> Patrick Hines. Ba-na-na. Sorry about that, everybody. That's okay, girl. You sound great. Thanks. You guys, before we get to the show, quick remind, if you want more Jillian and me, look, I got to tell you, get at the pace and listen to The Vow. I Like, it's so good. So Jillian hates The Vow now. I'm still kind of into it. I'm super into it. I need it to last forever because I need answers. I don't, I, I think this is, is this a hate watch? I don't know. I'm obsessed with it. It's a journey. It is a journey, though. It, our episodes are so good. I can't believe how funny they are. Like, talking about this insane shit that happened. And you weren't into it at first, remember? No, you were like, I wasn't. Oh, I hate cults. Cults aren't my thing. And I was so- like, girl. Join me, won't you? I was like getting you into the cult about the cults that I'm starting. I know, but it's where we do our episode by episode coverage. So it's, you know, Tiger King, Fear City, Don't F with Cats. Making a Murderer, The Jinx, Lorena. Serial season one, girl. Yeah, we did a podcast that one time, remember? <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's so many things. Ad-free versions of these episodes. We do after parties. We do quarantine check-ins. It's a lot of stuff. We're recording an after party tonight. Oh, you guys, the, the, I, one time on an episode recently, I mentioned the TV show Sisters that I was obsessed with. It's been all over the Facebook group. I have an actual sister story. You guys, I met a sister. I met a sister once. I don't know what to say about it. Yeah. I can't believe it didn't come up in the app. Okay, after party. Okay, sorry. We have a new sponsor this week. It's Cameron Hughes Wine. I mean, come on now. Let's go with the Cameron Hughes. (laughs) You guys, what if you could get world-class wine at an affordable price delivered right to your door in the safety of your own home? Let me explain a little bit about how this works, right? I worked at a fancy steakhouse for like a decade. I know from fancy wine. These fancy winemakers overproduce the wine that they make, but then they keep the official quantities low to keep the prices high. This Cameron Hughes, they figured out the workaround so you can get that amazing wine at a fraction of the price. Yeah, so here's the deal. You pay for the Cameron Hughes label and Cameron Hughes, oh, they zip their lid. They, they're not yeah. telling tales out of school. They are not singing like canaries. So it's all about the lot numbers. So we got this lot 735 Santa Barbara Cabernet Sauvignon. It is delicious. Okay? It is so... Because I'm, I'm like, oh, Cabernet Sauvignon? Yeah, I'll, I'll give it a try. It is so good and so delicious. It's this California Cabernet. It's a top winemaker. They win gold medals, top scores. But you know what? I'm not paying gold medal prices. That's the whole point. We got Lot 729, a Russian River Pinot Noir, which I'm obsessed with. Smooth, savory Pinot from one of the best producers in California. And, like, probably costs 100 bucks, 200 bucks in a wine store. You guys, you're getting the Cameron Hughes discount. Yeah, we're getting these for $16 
$5 a bottle. That's a hell of a discount. So the whole point is, you guys, you save money and you drink the best wine. You try wines that are normally sell for super high-end prices for a fraction of the cost. So you guys, go to chwine.com today to get 20% off the already wonderful prices and free shipping when you buy three or more bottles. Right, so just enter code TCO at checkout, and that's chwine.com with code TCO for 20% off three bottles or more plus free shipping. Fantastic wine delivered right to your door in the safety of your own home. I know you guys want this stuff. Go get it right now. And we're never leaving our homes again, so this is perfect. Totally. <laughs> All right, girl, what are we talking about today? We are talking about Unsolved Mysteries, Episode 7, Washington Insider Murder. It's also Season 2, Episode 1, girl. Yes. So when I first started watching this this morning, I was 10 minutes in, I was going to text you and be like, this episode is so fucking boring. But by another 10 minutes, I was on the edge of my seat. You have full on theories. I totally have theories about this one, you guys. Do you think, you do not think this is an unsolved mystery? You think this is totally solvable? No, I think it's totally, I think it's totally unsolved. I just think I have ideas about what happened. Like, I don't have like an answer. I just, along the way, I'm like, well, this definitely happened and this definitely happened. Got it, got it. Okay. Because I'm a a fucking expert at this point. Why am I not in the FBI, girl? I don't, well, you're a little much for the FBI. I actually know exactly why, but... You get like an A for enthusiasm. Yeah. All right. So we open on a landfill, which cannot be good. It's never a good time. What what this director really gets across is how fucking disgusting landfills are. Oh, my God. I know. Why are humans so fucking gross? I know. We really need to save the planet. I mean, it's really, really bad. It's really bad. This landfill, and also, I made a note, I grew up on Cape Cod, so I know from seagulls, but like, why are there so many seagulls in this landfill? I wrote, seagulls, have some self-respect. Seagulls, girl, you're better than that. When I was little, a seagull swooped down and ripped a cheeseburger right out of my hand. My dad was like, it was the funniest and also saddest thing I've ever seen. I was like gesturing wildly as I am wont to do. I was like six. I was like Daisy's age. And whoop, just, t- and I was like, what? Just <laughs> and my dad laughed exactly like that. What if your dad laughed exactly like that? My dad does not laugh like that at all. No. <laughs> and he wasn't laughing at me. Like, but it, he was kind of like, well, seagulls got to eat, girl. Right. All right. So we, it's the Cheryl Island landfill. It's in Wilmington, Delaware. And we meet this guy, Michael Lawson. He's a detective with the Wilmington PD. And he's just telling us that like... It's not every day that you receive a phone call regarding a body that's found in the landfill. I haven't been back since that time I found a fucking body here. Yeah, so he remembers the day very well. So he describes what he finds. He says he he found a white male, no gunshot wounds, no stab wounds. He's wearing black yeah. pants, a white shirt, some type of black garment covering his upper torso. And I'm like, so a jacket? Like, I don't know what. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, and it was a West, he had a West Point Military Academy ring. So immediately, for some reason, like the, the condition of this person is very suspicious to them. And I'm like, well, the suspicion for me started at the landfill when we got the <laughs> Call. That's suspicious to me. Yeah, and the West Point military ring really stands out to him. I could tell right away that this was someone of notoriety. This was not our typical homicide that we were dealing with in Wilmington. This is 
when I knew this wasn't just like a regular person in the landfill. Right. So the person is John Jack Wheeler. They call him John and Jack. You know what I'm going to ask you? Why is Jack a nickname for John? Why? I don't know. It doesn't shorten it at all. If the parents wanted the kid named Jack, they would have just named him that. I agree. I'm not as angry about it as you are, which is right. shocking to <laughs> me even. Anyway, um, so th- this Jack Wheeler, this is major, major news because he was yeah. a very notable figure, just like they assume because of the military ring. Yeah, he, you know, we're going to find out that he like he worked under the Secretary of the Air Force in one of the Bush administrations. Like, this guy was a really well-known, well-respected, high-ranking guy, like, in the world of D.C. politics. And we meet this journalist, this guy Steve, who I kind of, I kind of like him, but he also kind of says some, some garbagey things sometimes. Yeah, he immediately starts with, like, a landfill. That sounds like the mob. And I'm like, okay, Steve, like, I hope you're with us throughout. <laughs> We agree on something. He's like our main narrator, but Steve is telling us that, you know, John accomplished all that he accomplished in the world, but he did it with like a piano strapped to his back because he suffered from bipolar disorder. Bipolar disorder is marked by bouts of like frenetic activity. But there's also no doubt that it has a really awful reverse side where he could be very impulsive and overly emotional. So there's no question it propelled him forward and it held him back. This guy, Steve, the journalist, he's really, really into this story. Like, you can tell this is the thing that keeps him up at night. Yeah, like, he has, like, lots of organized files on his computer about it, like, folders. He's super in. He goes, you could say that I came for the murder, but ended up staying for the man. You know, I I don't love when people say things like that. There's just a better way of saying that. You could say, like, I was trashily, like, attracted to this case because it was, like, an interesting murder, but then I learned about the guy and he's amazing and deserves justice so like we, I wanted to get to the bottom of it instead like journalist Steve has a catchphrase about it yeah everyone say that everyone say what Patrick just said I know it's a little wordier it's a little doesn't roll off the tongue quite as much but it just makes me feel better so do me a personal favor and don't say shit like that thank you so cut to New York City oh being a resident of New York City it was nice to see images of New York City where people were outside I know and I'm like well, they're not wearing masks wait that I was know. They didn't have to then. Okay. We meet Catherine Clisey. Is that how you say it? Sure. But Catherine is Jack's wife. And she just loves him like everybody. She just says like... Jack was passionate about everything he did. Whatever you ask him to do or ask him about, doesn't matter if it was a U.S. foreign policy or the guy next door who needed help with the city council or any... It just... It didn't matter. He would put the same energy into everything he did. He's just like one of those good guys. Yeah, and like he had twins from a previous marriage who he loved, and Catherine had two kids, and she said he treated my kids like they were his, and he's just one of yeah. those family guys. And these two like met later in life, like they were married 13 years at the time that he died, so like they were like a, like a late in life passion romance couple. They talk about ballet. And- when I first met Jack, I remember talking to him and saying something about George Balanchine Ballet. And he said, I watched Balanchine choreograph Jules. I said, you did? She's like, this is, she's like a soldier who loves ballet. Like, this was her favorite (laughs) ballet of all time. And it just so happened that he had, he happened to be there at the genesis of it. But like, I know that's not the point of this episode of Unsolved Mysteries, but I would have been okay with five more minutes tacked onto this to learn (laughs) the full story. Like, Catherine girl, like, wait, how? Like, he knows George Balanchine or something? Like, what? But he, you get the sense that he was just one of those guys. He like had a lot of really kind of wild experiences. And it's like, 
oh, that yeah. time I watched him choreograph Jules. Like, what? <laughs> totally. Girl. And so, you know, we're automatically classifying this as a murder, and everybody is saying this murder doesn't make any sense. Like, number one, he didn't have any enemies. Like, there's nobody out in the world who hated this guy. Right. And so we meet Joe Salerno, and he's an investigator, and he just says, like, immediately, he's like, okay, he didn't have any enemies, but he did, like, he did have very close ties to government since he worked there basically his entire career. Um, yeah. So maybe it was like, because he worked in the government was he a target of a murder for hire situation yeah and i have a lot of thoughts on this because like we have a lot of footage of him for like the night that he went like missing yes and then ended up dead so like we'll get there but we have a lot of information on this yeah and steve the journalist tells us that at the time of his death jack was a consultant for the mitre corporation which is a defense contracting firm he was working on the issues that we're seeing now made manifest with, uh, you know, Russia interfering with the election, Russia and China supposedly hacking into our power grid. That's the stuff that, that Wheeler was working on at the time. And I love how Steve doesn't say like, oh, Russia like allegedly interfering with the election. Yeah, I love how right. he's like, they did it, everyone. Like, they, right. that's, a f- that's a true fact. They did it. I hate throwing in allegedly. Right. Like, Robert Durst allegedly murdered his wife. No, he didn't. I don't care. Right. He murdered, like, it wasn't, there's no, I'm not alleging anything. I'm saying it as a fact. I'm right. stating that fact. And so Steve is saying to us that, like, yes, he does have that, like, spy novel kind of job that might end up in an assassination, but there's nothing connecting that. There's nothing that, like, points to that being what happened. Right. And then Steve says something that's a little, like, oh, that's a a little bit of a dangerous way to look at it because he says, I think that what we have to do, because this is such a mystery is absolutely remain open-minded. We have to remain open-minded because not a single thing makes sense. And I'm like, okay, but I hear you. I hear what you're saying there. But I just feel like you can't just be accepting every theory. Like we can't go down every rabbit hole. Like we we can keep an open mind, but we still have to be a little like rational about this. No? No, girl, no! (laughs) We throw rationality right out the window because Steve said so. I'm with Steve. Sorry. Oh, okay. Ooh, Steve. Every Steve in my life is just has a lot of rules. (laughs) It's true. Hi, Steve. I love you. Steve, can you teach me how to load a dishwasher? Because I have one now and I don't know how to do it. I'm scared I'm going to break everything. Steve. I hate dishwashers, by the way. Steve, help me. Girl, Elf Cosmetics is back. It's time for me to shut up and let the women do the work. Tell them all about it, girl. Right. So first of all, it's Elf, you know, like Christmas Elf, if anyone's wondering. But it stands for eyes, lips, face. Yeah. You know I love this kind of stuff. And here's the thing about Elf Cosmetics. So you get high quality premium makeup and skincare products. But these ridiculous prices that I'm telling you, they do feel too good to be true. When I first discovered (laughs) Elf like 10 years ago, I was like, there's no way that this powder that's $3 is actually worth anything. It's probably a mess. No. It's completely affordable. The quality is amazing and it's cruelty free. Do you remember when they said they were going to sponsor us? We got the email. We were like FaceTiming like this and you screamed at the top of your lungs. <laughs> right. And then I went into my room and I was like, I already own so many elf products. It's my favorite. Totally. Everything's 100% vegan and cruelty free. I love the poreless putty primer. It's absolutely incredible. I was like, I don't need any of this. And then I got it and I was like, okay, game changer. All right. All right. I have the night cream. I have the day cream. When I say all you have to do is moisturize that. That's the game. 
cake. Elf is my favorite. I'm going to go on and on and on. Right now is an exclusive offer for TCO listeners. You can get 25% off your Elf purchase of $40 or more. Go to elfcosmetics.com slash TCO and use promo code TCO to get this exclusive offer. This is the best deal out there right now and you won't find it anywhere else, I promise. That's promo code TCO at elfcosmetics.com slash TCO for 25% off your Elf purchase. Look, girl, you don't need anything on that gorgeous face, but I'm glad you're using the Elf. Well, thank you. I mean, their moisturizers do the trick, you know? <laughs> so I just have, oh God, we're back at the landfill. I I don't need any more B-roll of these tractors. Just like, what are you doing, tractors in the landfill? They're just like, they're just rolling the garbage around? Why? It's just a very sad reminder of like, oh, we did that. God, we're, so, we're actual garbage. It's like garbage on garbage. <laughs> It's really like if it was if it was in a screenplay, I'd be like, you're really it's a little too on the nose. I know that the human race is really fucked up, but like uh-huh. I don't need to keep seeing the tractor, you know, just the la- I hope the people who work at that landfill get paid eight hundred thousand dollars a year. I know. Like, Thank God for you. Like I could never do that job. I know they should be paid a zillion dollars. I mean, oh, my God. And then you find a dead body from time to time. That is cr- that sucks. <laughs> I know. I know. So we're back at the landfill on the day the body was discovered. So it's December 31st, 2010, 9.56 a.m. Now you see cops in full hazmat suits, like digging through the trash, trying to find this guy's like cell phone. Right. And the detective from the beginning who, who we met, yeah. he was like, this is my first time doing it. I hated every second of it. Just on the record, I never want to have to do it again for a hundred yes. reasons. Yeah. He's like, any kind of evidence that you're actually looking for could be contaminated with the trash that's mixed in. And we did not find anything. Um, other than just trash that had been disposed of. So in a way, like if you want to like mess with the evidence, it's not the worst place to do something horrible and leave a dead body because it can just get mixed up. Sometimes I think, and I mean this truly, sometimes these documentaries give too much information about like how you can dispose of a body and not get caught. I know. And I kind of feel like, like the roadmap is laid out in this episode. We'll get to more on that later. Yeah. Like, you know, when you can Google recipes for horrible things, like unsolved mysteries, don't be Google right now. I know. I know. I know. That shit's on the internet for all to see. So what happens is the cops get his ID. They figure out that he's Jack Wheeler. He lives in Newcastle, Delaware. You guys, this gets crazy. They call the Newcastle cops and they're like, hey, we just found the body of a guy named John Wheeler who lives in your town. And the Newcastle cops are like, girl, you're never going to believe this. We are actually on the way to his house because his neighbor reported a break in. Right. Which is, wait, the same John Wheeler? Like, what is happening? I know. I know. So then we meet Robert Dill, who is Jack's neighbor. I knew Jack as a temporary next door neighbor. He was never here for very long. But I got involved in being the the caretaker of the house. I have right here, you guys. Do not let this Robert Dill guy fool you. He is the nosy neighbor. He is the neighborhood gossip. Oh. He has all the good stories. He knows everything about your life. Right. But because he he basically outs himself because he's yeah. like, you know, I was sort of a caretaker for them. Like, okay, that's interesting. Right. According to who? According to you? Or like, were you both on the same page about that? Absolutely. According to Robert Dill. And then yeah. he's like, you know, well, Jack was always like a really busy guy. He was never one to just sit down and casually talk to you. I'm like, no, he was not one to sit down and casually talk to you. Robert Dill. You know? (laughs) Because Robert Dill, you're the me of the neighborhood. You're the one that knows everybody's business. This guy, Jack, is a private guy. He doesn't want you caretaking his house. He doesn't need a girl. The guy works for the president. I know. And then Robert outs himself again. I'm sorry to say, because he's like... I was talking to my neighbor, and that's when I happened to notice 
that Jack's second floor rear window was open. So being the good neighbor, I went over and into the house. I, there I was outside talking to another neighbor, being a gossip, and I noticed that one of the windows in Jack's yes! house is open. It's the second floor rear window, and he says, being the good neighbor that I am, I let myself right on in. Robert. And he does that as he's letting himself into the house again today. For Unsolved Mysteries. Right. And I was like, this guy asked nobody. They did not, like, I feel like Catherine at the New York house is watching this episode and is like, who let Robert Till go into my house? I know. And it's like, uh, who can't, like, Robert, the second floor rear window, mind your own business. And this isn't like... That heart with Chris Watts where the neighbor, the friend, Nicole, yes. was like on top of it. That's not what this is. That Robert's being a nosy Nelly. What if like Jack is just doing the P90X up in the bedroom with the window open and the nosy neighbor like wanders in and scares the living daylights out of him? What is P90X? <laughs> what is that? I can't believe this is something that I actually know. It's like an at-home workout situation. Oh, girl. <laughs> okay. <laughs> What did you think it was? <laughs> it sound, I thought it was like an actual piece of equipment or like it sounded like a workout thing, but a P90, it's very P90. It's very, it's very um, off brand for me to have known what that was. Because <laughs> that sounds very intense. It is very intense. Yeah. That That's not like, oh, I'll go to Zumba and then just like mark it and not really do the dance. That's intense shit. That comes with like a plan and like a monthly bill, right? I'll go to Zumba and mark it. <laughs> Just, but yeah, but I'm just saying, like, what if he just opened the fucking window and the nosy neighbor just lets himself in to check on the place? Right, because you because you get the sense that they were splitting their time, Jack and, yeah, and Catherine. A, a million percent, yeah. But yeah. Catherine, like, I'm sure Catherine was like, thanks, Robert, but we're really okay. Like, I don't right. need you to constantly check on the house four times a week. Like, thanks, but we're okay. Like, we're fine. You think they're not on top of, like, collecting the I mail? Know. Like, the, Catherine's on top of it. Don't worry, Robert. <laughs> Sometimes people open their window. Let it go. Give it a rest. Even though, however, when he walks in, he says he sees the turmoil in the kitchen. So, fine. <laughs> right? Fine. Okay, you guys. He's saying, so this was obviously definitely a break-in. Okay. So, I, he walks in and he's like... Now, when I came in, the storm door was closed, but this door was ajar about like that. And he shows us, like, the inside door. Now, I'm thinking, if this was actually a break-in, this is example one of what a shitty robber this person would have uh -huh. been. The robber leaves the door open for anybody off the street to see. Then he points to the fact that, like, there's a tree, like a plant. He calls it a tree, but it's a plant. It's He calls it a tall tree. It's a houseplant. Right. It's just a houseplant. It's like a three-foot-tall houseplant. Right. And, like, it was turned over, and the base of it was cracked. Then we see the spices everywhere. And spices were all over the place they were all over the floor all over the table whoever did this really took it out on the spice rack like they just threw that shit all over the kitchen and the dishes were smashed in the sink it's just yes. it looked um, i mean it's like someone was like ransacking the place like throwing spices all over the floor but the thing is it didn't even look like ransacking because ransacking implies that you're like looking for something true 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 yeah it just looks like they went into the kitchen and they were like ah! right you. you 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 saw a spider and now comes the spice rack <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens. But then we see, like, he's got this weird, like, West Point stuff, like a sword and a shield, like, decorative stuff. Right. That's, like, just on the floor in a pile of Comet cleanser. Then this robber took his shoes off because we see a bare footprint. In the so, Comet. In the Comet.
comment. So, like, you guys, if this were a break-in, the robber left the door open, took nothing, broke the plant, put comic cleanser all over the place, threw all the spices all over the floor, took their shoes off uh-huh. before leaving so they could leave a footprint on the floor. This was not a break-in. No, because also there's, like, a footprint. It's not footprints out the door in the comet. <laughs> right? Can it, you imagine? It's just one single footprint, which is right. super weird, but also proof that they weren't, like, traipsing around the house with the comet. Right. So the reason the cops are on their way over is because Robert picks up the phone and calls them. Right. And so Stephen, the journalist, is like, you guys aren't going to believe this, but this gets even crazier. <laughs> so to add to the confusion... There's another investigation happening across the street from Jack's house in Newcastle. So he's like, in addition to the dead body in the landfill and the, quote, break-in at the house, the police were were already in the neighborhood because there was an investigation going on in the house across the street. There's a house being built on a piece of land across the street from where Jack lives. And, like, two nights before, smoke bombs were, like, let off in this house in the middle of the night. Smoke bombs, girl. Smoke bombs. I don't know. I'm sure I could Google it, unfortunately. But I don't know anything about anything when it comes to a lot of things, but smoke bombs. And so there wasn't a lot of damage, but it is weird because Jack Wheeler's cell phone was at the scene. So you've got all these things happening at once. Jack's body found in a landfill. A burglary investigation at his house. And an investigation into the smoke bombs across the street. So you have to wonder how or if all these things are connected. You have to wonder how or if all of these things are connected. If? And I went, yes, girl. They are all connected, Sweetheart, I know. It's not an if. (laughs) It's a why. Right. I'm like, I'm not the only one who's connecting all these dots, right? Like, I'm not just like a genius that should work for the FBI tomorrow. Well, you are the... Two things can be true. You can be a genius who should work for the FBI yesterday, Mm -hmm. and you are also not alone in freaking out because how obvious the connection is. These things are all... No question they're all connected. Okay, so now we meet hot FBI guy Scott Duffy. Mm. And he gets involved because, remember, this guy, John Wheeler, was like kind of a fancy guy in D.C. He'd worked for all these presidents. He worked for the Pentagon. So when now that he's gone missing, like everyone gets involved. This guy, Scott, from the FBI, tells us there were 10 agencies involved, including like federal, state, and local, all trying to figure out like what happened here. I wish they cared this much about like literally everybody else, but okay. The only reason I think it's okay is because like for all... All we know, like, he gave away state secrets before he was killed. Okay, fair enough. You know what I mean? Fair enough. Yeah. (laughs) I still want them to just care about people, like people of color and, like, trans people, but... I agree. At the same time, nobody tell me any state secrets because, at like, the slightest indication that I'm in any trouble, I'm selling the country out. You're going live in the Facebook group as you're running away. (laughs) I know. It'll just be where the camera will be shaking because you're running. I'm just screaming the nuclear codes into an insta-live. FBI, when you hire this one, just... Just make sure, keep the secrets <laughs> to a minimum. I just promise you, FBI, I will be a hoot at the office Christmas party. I just, I'll be the fun one. You think Doug Matthews was fun? Hire Patrick Hines. <laughs> and see what happens. Travel down. Girl, Thrive Market is back. I'm so excited because I mentioned last time we've been using Thrive Market religiously. So Thrive Market is an online membership-based market on a mission to make healthy living easy and affordable for everyone. Guys, I am gluten-free. Right. Like, I've eight grocery stores near my apartment. None of them carry good gluten-free stuff. So f- instead of just going from store to store to store, I was like, I'm going to go to Thrive Market. I'm going to raid their gluten-free section. I get gluten-free pasta, gluten-free cereal, gluten-free bars. And you guys, if you have any specific kind of diet, they can really accommodate you. So 
So it's like keto and paleo and vegan and non-GMO, fair trade certified. So much amazing stuff, girl. And usually to accommodate those diets, that's really expensive. Yeah. Not with Thrive Market. So you get guaranteed savings and member-only prices because if you're a Thrive Market member, like us, you can save an average of 32 bucks on every single order. Yes. Also, orders of $49 or more are shipped for free and delivered with carbon neutral shipping from their zero waste warehouses. I gotta say it, this is one of those sponsors I really use every month. And our favorite thing, through Thrive Gives, their one-for-one membership matching program, every paid membership sponsors a free one for a low-income family. We love that. I love it. You guys go to thrivemarket.com slash TCO, join today, and you'll get a free gift of your choosing up to $24 in value. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash TCO to start your risk-free membership and get a free gift today. Thrivemarket.com slash TCO. Go meet me there. I'll shop with you guys. Yeah, get that gluten-free <laughs> pasta and then the next morning you can have cold pasta for breakfast. <laughs> See, always thinking. Girl, Glossier is back. I know you're chomping at the bit to tell them all about the Glossier. So you take it away, girl. Well, here's the thing. Glossier has skincare products. They have makeup products. They have body care products and fragrance. So I know this is over FaceTime, but you can just tell that I smell really good today, I bet, right? Um, Excuse me. Are you referring to their award-winning addictive musk-based fragrance? Is it a must-have? It is a total must-have. Look, I'm always kind of like, "Eh, I don't really know about perfume and fragrances. I'm really picky when I, I ripped open this box I sprayed it on myself and then I like went over to Mike I was like how does that smell and he was like wait what that's amazing I wear it every day even if I'm just home here I truly wear it every day because the fragrance matches with the body wash I use that's Glossier too I gotta say you guys GP is not joking like she's really picky about the stuff she actually uses so if you're actually using this stuff it's gotta be great every day it's in my little area oh spritz 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 and it makes me like feel together for the day and it's musk based but it also just smells clean and fresh, which I love. Tell me if this is true or not. They say it's long lasting and true to how it smells at the beginning without changing as it dries down. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I just got a whiff of myself and it's as strong as it was at eight o'clock this morning. I'll say that. (laughs) I have two girlfriends I can think of off the top of my head that were thrilled when they found out we got Glossier. Everybody loves Glossier, girl. (laughs) Yes, it's the best. So here's the thing. Get Glossier U, which is the fragrance and the hand cream by visiting Glossier.com slash podcast slash TCO. So for a limited time, you guys, new customers can get 10% off your first order. Certain exclusions apply. <laughs> That's G-L-O-S-S-I-E-R dot com slash podcast slash TCO. Go get your must-have, you guys. It's a must-have. <laughs> it's a must-have. So we're back with Catherine. And Catherine and John, they're married, but like you were saying, they split their time between Delaware and New York. I think Catherine lives in New York more. Yeah. So they're not together all the time. And so Catherine tells us the last time she saw John was when he came up from New York City for Christmas. And she thought that he was going to stay for a while. And he tells her and the family that he's got to leave at 7 a.m. on December 28th. So he was only there for like three days. So we know from... The time that he got on the train and went into Washington, D.C., that Jack was on his phone a lot. So we knew from talking to people that he worked with and his family that he lived by the phone, which is a good thing for investigators in piecing together a timeline. 
So on the 28th, when he leaves New York, he like goes to D.C., goes right to the office. He works in D.C. till about 5.30, and then he gets on the train to go back to Delaware that night. And that is the night of the smoke bomb incident, which he definitely did yeah. across the street from his house. We will get into why. I know right now it sounds like we are thinking that this old man just like went to across the street to do smoke bombs at this house for no reason. We will get there. I promise. Yes, yes, yes. Can I realize that because I know why, but I realize <laughs> that it might sound a little like, wait, what? We'll get there. I swear. <laughs> so by December 29th, Catherine calls Jack and she can't get a hold of him. And it's the say, the usual. She can always reach him. This is kind of strange. And also on December 29th, John Wheeler supposedly writes an email to the people at MITRE, which is where he works. And he tells yeah. them all about the break-in in his home. He tells them that he lost all these things, like everything he needs to access their business, his badge, his ID, his wallet, his key card, his phone, his briefcase. He writes this letter saying, I lost all of it. Of course, it is curious that Jack doesn't notify the police that there was a break-in and doesn't notify Kathy. This is a really big deal to me because it's not true. Like, he is saying my house was broken into. The neighbor is saying his house was broken into. We are looking at this and it's like it's it didn't happen and we know this because John didn't call the police right. and he didn't call Kathy. He just sent this email to his work saying all of this stuff got stolen and then doesn't report it to anybody, which is just absolutely not what would have happened. Absolutely. Once Jack loses his cell phone, that also leaves investigators in a bit of a quandary as they're trying to track him and create a timeline of his movements because they can't use the cell phone anymore. So in, in order to get a timeline of these last hours and figure out where Jack Wheeler was, the, the FBI was tracking his phone, but they couldn't do right. that because he didn't have his phone because his phone was left where the smoke bomb thing happened. So right. instead of using his phone to track him, they have to rely on all these witnesses and also surveillance footage. And there is so much of it and we see all of it. It's just unbelievable, the surveillance video. So December 29th, that's the night of the smoke bomb incident. He goes to the local pharmacy and we see all of this footage. Now, when he walks into the pharmacy, he is all smiles. Did you notice that? He's very happy. Everyone knows him. Everyone, yeah. it's a very local, like, oh, hey, hey, John, hey, Jack, whatever you want to call him. But he's also limping. It's not mentioned in the documentary yep. at this point, but he is limping yep. when he walks in. You guys, seeing this footage, it's one of the reasons why we're like, don't just listen to us, go watch the episode, because you gotta see this shit. It's crazy. Right. And so it turns out that the reason he's talking to so many people is because he's asking them for a ride from Newcastle to Wilmington. Investigators believe Jack wanted to get to Wilmington to get his car, which was parked at the Amtrak station there. That's where Jack left his car when he went to New York for Christmas. This is so crazy to me. Like, why is he doing that? Why isn't he taking a taxi? Right. Why isn't he, like, asking the nosy neighbor to give him a ride? Right. Why is he going to the pharmacy and asking random people? Like, he's a well-known person. Right. He's, like, an important guy. And he's asking, like, random strangers to give him a ride 14 miles to Wilmington to get his car? Instead of asking even to use their phone or, right. or something at all. It's not talked about at all in the episode. And then we see him leaving with these two guys that are like customers that like that we think then give him a ride to Wilmington. It is so bizarre. And the next we know is around 642, I think it was, he shows up in a parking garage. He's trying to find his car, but he's in the wrong garage. He's blocks from where his car is actually parked. 
We see him showing up at a parking garage, but he's at the wrong garage. This is where we learn that Jack has what is described as like this really, really bad sense of direction. This is crazy, girl. He would like lose his bearings a lot and also all the time forget where he parked his car. And, And Steve, our journalist, is like... Jack was famous for coming home in a cab on days that he'd driven to work because he would forget where he parked. So he constantly was was misplacing his car. Can you imagine how mad Steve would be at me if I oh, fucking did that one time? That would be, that would also be, especially like a, a move I would pull where I'm just like, I, driving is still new to me, at, you know, which is a ridiculous thing to say, but because I would be like, what car is it? Like what? But also, how does he ever find it? So he loses his car. He's going to take a cab home. How does he then find his car? Right. Like if this happens all the time. You, you stop driving. If this happens all the time you stop driving that's just got to be the rule if this happens one time the next time you drive in you take a picture of the garage it's that simple girl right oh yeah that's a great idea or like at the airport or if you're at like one of those big parking lots where it's like i'm in a 22 totally i still just can't get over people talking about him losing his car like it's normal yeah it seems like you have a bad sense of direction and then you have what this guy had and i'm not saying that in like a shade way it's just like if this is something that happened all the time there should have been like things put in place so that he could get help when he needed it or like to lose your car on a daily but like I can't get over that now that he's at the wrong parking garage we still don't really know how he got there we see the video of him Jack is in a completely different state than he was in when he was at the pharmacy he appears in great distress he's agitated He's now taken a shoe off. He's wagging his finger in somebody's face, like yelling at the parking attendant. He looks totally spooked and scared. Yeah, he's like really concerned. He's kind of panicky. He keeps like peering around the corner, almost like someone is after him. And he keeps talking about how his briefcase was stolen. And there's no information. So we meet the woman who was at the the desk. And she has no time for anybody's shit, this woman. He said to me his parking ticket was inside his briefcase. So I said, well, where's your briefcase at? He says, briefcase was stolen from him. So when I kept asking him how was it stolen, all he kept saying to me, my briefcase was stolen. It was stolen. And she's like, I'm trying to help you, but he had no information. He just kept repeating the same thing over and over again. They described the video as haunting. I don't think it's haunting. It's just kind of sad. I think it's absolutely both. I was like, this, I feels like I shouldn't, it's another thing where I feel like I shouldn't be watching it. But if he was in his right mind, he would just go find a police officer to help him or something. Like, why isn't he asking somebody to use the phone to call his wife? I don't understand, like, why this guy who has so many people who love him and is so well connected in the world isn't just getting help like there's something that, that that we are not being told what is being left out here yes and the thing is they say like okay so there's a 42 minute window between we saw happy go lucky Jack Wheeler at the pharmacy and everything was yeah. great and he's all smiles and then this like total like panicked scared aggressive almost Jack Wheeler in the parking garage and in those 42 minutes what happened to make him com- be completely different and so this is where they're saying to us like remember he suffers from bipolar disorder so you know Catherine is saying that he usually was really good about taking his meds and was usually very fine but she says bipolar disorder is mysterious and very unpredictable so we don't know like did he have some sort of like psychotic break right or some sort is is he having some sort of episode and doesn't really know how to ask for help but like something very very like dangerous and scary is happening to him yes and he seems scared. John himself seems scared that something is coming for him in some way. And Steve, the journalist, says that 40-minute time frame between when Jack is seen at the pharmacy 
and when he appears in so much distress at the parking garage is one of the fundamental foundational mysteries surrounding his homicide. This is where Steve like sits up and he's like, I want to know. I really want to know. I really want to know what happened in those 40 minutes. Like, I really want to know. Yeah, and I'm like, Steve, girl, this is unsolved mysteries. I fear (laughs) we'll never know. And I'm with you. I need to know. But I just, that's kind of the gig. It's unsolved mysteries. You know? I know. Sometimes I get like towards the end and I'm like, I think we're going to get the answer. We never do. We never never get the answer, you guys. Girl, not once. Unsolved mysteries. I know. They're unsolved. (laughs) So Steve, the journalist, tells us it is 20 hours before John is seen on camera again. Right. So he was at the pharmacy. 40 minutes later, he's at the parking garage. And then he says, according to the cops, we don't see him on camera again for 20 hours. But we see him on video in the basement of a building. He's in the basement of the Nemours building, which is an office complex in downtown Wilmington. Investigators later found evidence that Jack spent the night and part of the day in this basement. There's some mystery over why Jack would go to the Nemours building. No one really knows what Jack's connection would have been to that building or that basement. He couldn't get to his car, and so now it's like he's gone to ground. He spent the night there and part of the next day in this basement, just wandering around. And we see the video. It's so ghoulish. It's it's so ghoulish. So by December 30th at 8.40 p.m., we see him leaving this office building complex and he's wearing a black hoodie with the hood up. Like, what is going on? He hasn't been in touch with Catherine. Catherine's been trying to call him. He doesn't have his wallet or his cell phone. Like, he's been in this building for, like, 20 hours. Like, what is going on? And that's not his hoodie. No, right. Because we hear from everyone, like, he doesn't even own a black hoodie. Like, why is he changing his clothes? Like, why is that the focus and not getting home or or asking someone to borrow their phone or anything? And Steve is guessing that, like, he looks like he's trying to hide and figure out, like, a secret way out of town. And I'm like, girl, Steve, why are you saying that? This is what I meant earlier. Wait a second. We could have an open mind, but let's be a little, let's reel it in, Steve. That's right. <laughs> Because I'm like, do you know more than you're saying? Like, why are you saying he's looking for a way out of town? He looks like a like a lost old man who's had some kind of mental breakdown. That's what it looks like to me. Yeah, like, Steve, I know it's heartbreaking, but let's not just, like, that's a very dangerous thing to just, like, throw that grenade and walk away. Like, maybe he was getting out of town, but I, I don't know anything about anything. Don't look at me, Steve. <laughs> but also, where did he get the hoodie? Where did he where get did that he hoodie? Oh, my God. So then, thanks to the cameras, we see him walking out of this building. He's walking down the street. He goes into the valley section near a hotel and then he just like walks out of the view of the camera and that's it. Well, so that's the last like camera footage we have of him. Right. We'll get back to that in a second. But we cut to Catherine and Catherine is saying like she's been trying to get in touch with her husband for three days and there's been no answer. When I couldn't reach him, I was uncertain what to do. I thought something's wrong, but I just didn't let myself imagine that something bad had happened or something terrible. She's like, I honestly didn't know what to do. And I was thinking, at this point, the police have been called to their home in Wilmington because of a suspected break-in. Nobody told Catherine that? That was my question, too. Did the police call the homeowner and not just take Robert Dill, the neighbor's word for everything, because he's a know-it-all? And I'm sure Catherine would say, look, I wanted to get shit done, not be stuck on the phone with Robert Dill for 15, 25, 35 (laughs) minutes. She's looking at her clock. Robert! Did you you hear about Sharon and Stan? I don't give a shit, Robert. I need to find, like, I have actual, like, real-life adult things to do. Robert? All I know is that Sharon hasn't been staying at the house anymore. Yeah, and I know that because I saw that the upstairs window was open. Robert. Travel down the road and back again. 
You guys, we have a new sponsor this week. It's Solitaire Grand Harvest. It's a game you download from like the Apple App Store, Google Play, or Amazon. Yeah, it lives on your phone, Gramps. It's a super relaxing treat for the mind full of fun and challenging levels. You can play anywhere, anytime. So it's Tri-Peak Solitaire, all wrapped up in a fun farm aesthetic as a city hick. It's nice to experience farm life. And there's a cute dog that jumps around the screen when you win. It's very fun for me. It's Solitaire like you've never seen. It's free to play. I don't really understand Solitaire, so I was learning to do it. Steve is obsessed with Solitaire. He ripped it out of my hands, and now he's playing it like all the time. Steve is obsessed with this. That is saying a lot, by the way. He's smarty patarty. Uh-huh. He's choosy about his games. Yeah, because this is like solitaire, but it's also like high-low. It's not like real solitaire. Like, the cards can go in both directions. It's like a whole thing. Again, there's also a cute dog that jumps around the screen. I gotta tell you, I listen to podcasts to calm down. I have now, like, transitioned to playing the solitaire game. It is like the decompressing for my mind that I totally need these days. Yeah, it was nice. Like, I turned my computer off last night, and I was yeah. like, I need a little transition, a little decompress, you know, before I, like, start <laughs> cooking. And suddenly I looked up, and I was like, oh, that's where those 40 minutes went. Sure. Got it. Good to know. (laughs) You guys, whether you're stuck inside or just dreaming of the great outdoors, now you can have a fun farm-style getaway right at your fingertips. Download Solitaire Grand Harvest for free today in the Apple App Store, Google Play, and Amazon. So it's December 31st. This is the day that John's body is found at the landfill. We meet a guy named Mike Grabowski, and he's a commercial trash truck driver, and I'm obsessed with him is what I wrote. Yeah, this man cannot be named anything other than Mike Grabowski. He is a Mike Grabowski (laughs) through and through. And I mean that, like, with no shade or no, I'm not, that's not an an insult. He's just, he's a Mike Grabowski. He's exactly what you're picturing. He just looks like the kind of guy who would drive a trash truck. He's, like, super in charge. It's probably his own business. He probably makes $200,000 thousand dollars a year this guy is awesome he says that like he does his like normal thing he comes into the landfill he dumps the trash he goes i was heading back to 495 and the dispatcher called and they're like girl you got to go back to the landfill they found a body in that pile of trash you just dumped and he's like wait what when we got on top of the landfill all the bosses from the landfill and everybody was coming up i seen the body there stick him up out of the pile it jolted you a little bit. It kind of freaky. Yeah, it was kind of freaked out. I asked them guys to go cover him up. They went and covered him up, and we waited for the police to come. He's actually much calmer than I am. He's yeah. like, oh, okay. He just turns around like, oh, shit. Like, he's just in problem-solving mode, which is yeah. very rare. And when you when you hear, hey, we just found a body in the landfill, not everyone's going into problem-solving mode, okay? Mike is, <laughs> and that's great. But right. the two of us would probably not be. <laughs> Yeah. Well, the more you do that, the more I go into problem solving mode. Girl, just anything to stop the screaming. <laughs> but like to think that he just transported a body to a landfill. I like know. the body was in the truck the whole time. Oh my god. Ugh. But he also says when he gets back there, all the bosses from the landfill were there. And I was like, how many bosses does one landfill need? Right, like all the higher ups, like the board. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Well, because, like, they just call everybody because they've never been in this situation before, and there's there's no real protocol, so they're like, everyone in the building, everyone who's free, just yeah, come. Totally. I, we need help. This is horrible. Just everybody, please help us. 
So they're combing through the trash because obviously like this body came from one of these trash trucks and they determined that the trash came from the town of Newark, Delaware. And this is kind of amazing. Like they send a team of like forensic people out to swab the dumpsters of Newark and they find a partial DNA match to John in one of the dumpsters. It's unbelievable. Right. Two things. I thought it was Newark, New Jersey Same. for a long time. It's not. It's Newark, yeah. Delaware. And two, I have in my notes, I'm like, yeah, there's no way you're going to get any trace of anything right now. And then I'm like, well, joke's on me because they get a partial match. And I'm like, this is a, this is fascinating. But I truly thought I was really in the weeds thinking it was Newark, New Jersey and that nothing was going to come from this. And then I'm like, oh, shit. But so this is the other thing. Like Steve, the journalist, is basically me running around screaming. Like, how did he get there? How did he get from Wilmington to Newark, Delaware, and then end up dead in a dumpster? So this is another big twist in the case because the last time Jack was seen, he was in Wilmington. Wilmington, 14 miles away, different town, and in the opposite direction from where he had been walking. So how does he end up in a dumpster in Newark, Delaware? Like, that doesn't make any sense. And so some witness comes forward and says, oh, like, I actually saw that guy, John, getting into a taxi when he found out this taxi was going to Newark, Delaware with other people. So, like, apparently, according to this witness, John shared a cab to Newark with randoms that we never meet, the police never find, and they think that maybe that's how he got to Newark, Delaware? And then they also say, but maybe not. And I'm like, great. Right. That is yeah. Truly unsolved. Thank you so much. <laughs> And, like, this is the thing, like, unless the taxi driver comes forward or something, like, we never will know how he got to Newark, Delaware. So we're back with the trash truck guy, Mike Grabowski, who yeah. I'm obsessed with. Uh-huh. He is teaching us all about dumpsters, you guys. There are um, words that he uses that I didn't know about. Know. And he's like, yeah, we got uh, the eight yarder, the uh, the six yarder. I and know. I'm like, what? We got two cans here. One's an eight yarder. One's a six yarder. We got the side doors here. If you can tell, the side door is up real high on the eight yarder. The side door over on the six yarder is kind of shorter to where somebody can climb in real easy. The reason we're here, this is another heartbreaking thing. He's telling us like sometimes people sleep in the dumpsters that are six yard. So six yarder, eight yarder, it's the size of it. Eight yards, six yards. And he's saying that they use these dumpsters for warmth or a place to sleep that's safe and warm for them. But he's telling us that like the way that this all works is that like he drives up in his trash truck. He says, I stick my forks in the bottom of the dumpster. And you know how we've all seen like the dumpster like lifts up and then dumps into the trash truck. Right, right, right. He says sometimes when that happens, people pop up out of the dumpster and start screaming. He calls them the hollerers. We call them hollers because that's all they do is they jump up out of the can. They start hollering, whoa, 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 like that and everything. And the thing about it is that, like, when you've done this job for a long time, you know to expect it. Can you imagine the fucking first time that happened? That's the thing. Mike is very, like, this is kind of my wheelhouse, guys. Like, his tone is very, I'll teach you about the six yardas and the eight yardas. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he's very, and it's not, he's not being cruel about it because then when we see, when we're sitting with him, like in the interview part of it, he's like, that shit sticks with you. That sucks. But when we're out on the scene, he's like, yeah, and then they scream and then you stop and the hollerers. And I'm like, Mike. But like, I'm thinking about, like, imagine I got a job as a trash truck driver. Like, I go and I work on Mike Grabowski's fleet. Nobody warns me about the hollerers. It's my (laughs) first day on the job. I stick my forks in the thing and a guy pops out. Are you fucking kidding me? I hope it's in the welcome packet because that's (laughs) me. (laughs) to just not let you of all people know what's coming 
if it if this might be a possibility. The guys, like, as they're sending me out, they're like, you know what? Let's not tell him about the hollerers. Let's it's like you're him. hazing. Let's not totally. tell him. <laughs> Don't tell him about the hollerers. Oh, the hollerers, Mike. And Mike says to us, like, look, my like my trucks are loud, girl. Sometimes you hear them and sometimes you don't. Right. Oh, I forgot that he said that. Shit. I know. And the thing about it is that, like, what they're saying is that it's possible that he climbed into one of these dumpsters for warmth and didn't know that, like, Mike's truck was going to stick the fork in the thing and you're supposed to holler and he didn't do it and he got thrown into the trash truck and was killed that way. And the stepdaughter says at Merriweather, she's like, absolutely not. Because she's saying, like, the medical examiner said he was murdered, number one. And Steve, the journalist, reminds us he was really severely beaten. It's very horrible. It's very violent. So there's no way he was sleeping and then Mike Grabowski just didn't hear him. But then Steve says, oh, and another thing while I'm here, while I'm on the subject, remember the smoke bomb incident? Yeah. So now we're into this, this whole thing. We said we promised we'd get here. Here we are. One of the big questions in the case is whether or not Jack's murder was related to what happened in Newcastle that night when he came back from D.C. Late at night, there is a smoke bomb incident at this house across the street. After this incident happens, the police find Jack's cell phone. And so one of the theories is he's the one who set off those smoke bombs. So we learned that the smoke bomb incident happened in a house across the street from where Catherine and John live in this town that they love. It's an old historic town. And we learned that this house was being built on a battery park, which is like an old historic section of the town. And John and Catherine were really upset about it, but like especially John. And John was like really involved in like a legal entanglement trying to make it so this house couldn't be built. He really cared about this. Right. And so Kathy then says the thing about bipolar disorder is that sometimes he can be made to feel a little more irrational, a little more illogical. So now the theory is that he was so upset with this dispute about the house that he tried to take matters into his own hands and then do the smoke bomb thing. He accidentally left his phone there. And then I'm like, but then he trashed his own house? Yes, But see, I totally buy this because Steve is saying he goes and does the smoke bombs at this house. Remember, he's a super important, well-known person. If he gets caught for this, his reputation is fucking ruined. Like, it would be the end of his life if if he got caught having done those smoke bombs, right? Right. He did them maybe because he's having a bipolar episode and he was a little bit out of control. And he gets home and realizes that he's left his phone at the scene where the cops probably already are. Mm -hmm. So he's thinking now, well, fuck, now I'm going to get caught because they have my phone that connects me to this crime scene. Everybody knows I'm doing anything I can to get this house not to be built. And Steven is saying, like, maybe that triggered a manic episode where he literally just, like, is throwing things around the house to, like, prove that his house had been broken into. And the reason he needs his house to have been broken broken into is so that somebody would have stolen the phone, then gone and done the the smoke bombs and dropped his phone at that scene. Okay. The the house being broken into and his phone being stolen sort of gets him out of trouble for being the guy who did the smoke bomb thing. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Does that make sense? Yes. I just, I have questions. Just a couple questions. Like, but why was he trying to get the ride from strangers and not call his wife? This is where it all goes crazy. I don't know what happens after that or why. Uh Because, like, who knows why? 
why everything else happened. Right. But I do think that he did the, the smoke bomb, dropped his phone there, then staged a break-in at his house to say that somebody stole his phone and dropped it at the house where the smoke bombs were. I think had that the phone not been dropped at the smoke bomb thing, we wouldn't be here. That that was the catalyst. Okay, I could buy that. It was the thing that triggered everything else. Now, why, when he got into trouble, where he's like wandering around with one shoe and can't find his car, why he didn't just get help then, I don't know. Right, and all of that for lack of a better term, excitement, all of that heightened yeah. feelings could have triggered a mental health crisis. And that's why we're here. And Steven is saying, but here's the thing, Jack's personal distress doesn't explain his murder. Someone killed him. And the question is whether or not it was somebody just happened across him when he was wandering around. All of that can be true, but it still doesn't explain the murder. We still don't know why or how he was murdered. Like, you know, it doesn't seem like he was murdered for his government connections. They're saying that, like, it probably wasn't just random because if it was a random mugging, he had cash on him and a Rolex and his expensive ring. Right. And all of that was found on his body at the landfill. So was he not murdered? Did he crawl into the dumpster for warmth and die by accident? Like, you guys, it is like, it's such a tragic story and the perfect Unsolved Mysteries case. Right, like, where did all the wounds and injuries come from like what right. is going on like I don't get and so and the briefcase is gone like we never get any leads on the briefcase that just vanished like yeah. it just ends with all of these questions and then taps being played and I'm like thanks a lot Unsolved Mysteries great my day is now ruined thank you <laughs> really enjoyed that episode. I'm just going to say I really enjoyed that episode. I liked it a lot. I'm glad you did. I was worried. I thought that you were it was going to be one of those, girl, I hate this, but let's you know, we got to get through it. So I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm now that guy, that Steve the Journalist guy, who's like going to be up at night wondering what the fuck happened to this guy. Tomorrow you're going to be a, like a mod on a Reddit thread. You're going to start the <laughs> totally. own, the Reddit thread about it, the Reddit page. And poor Catherine seems like such a lovely woman and I he know. seemed like such a nice guy. Like, it's just nobody deserves these things. It's so fucking terrible, girl. Yeah, let's take care of each other, won't we? Let's, let's do, that. do that. That seems nice. You guys uh, real quickly, if you want more fun, last good times, join us on the Patreon. You get uh, 150 at least full bonus episodes uh, to download a binge right this second, girl. Yeah, uh, ad free episodes, after parties. Sometimes we have like Zoom hangs. There's a, it's a big party. Everyone is welcome. If you don't feel like it, that's totally fine. If you'd rather stay in, I understand. But everyone's invited. Absolutely. And you guys, thanks for checking out our Unsolved Mysteries apps. I am having such a good time doing this, girl. I love it so much. Breaking news, you guys. Unsolved Mysteries is becoming its own podcast. Did you see this? Deadline announced it. I did it. What? Yeah, they're 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 doing the unsolved mysteries, but like as a podcast. I am over the fucking moon about it. Like new K, like instead of like yes. TV episodes, it's gonna be episodes on K. Ooh. That's what it seems like. Yeah. Okay, I can get into that. Ooh. All right, we love you guys. We love you. Bye. Bye. My poor spices have definitely fallen victim to me seeing a spider in the kitchen in much the same way. No more paprika. No. Cumin. Cumin. Gone. Out the window. All over the floor. Parsley. Steve is like, what? I don't. I, I know. Where's, where's the then... spider girl? And you're like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it makes sense to put a, like, get a body into a landfill if you're, if you're a serial killer. Right. But a body of water, I feel like, is easier for the serial killer. Totally. <laughs> Land, landfills could be difficult to access, I guess, at just any time of the day. Just ask the mob. <laughs> what mob? <laughs> That's a Pates joke. Well, you don't have to be sad about it, girl. No. no. <laughs> it's a Pates joke. All right, Eeyore. <laughs> 